welcome back to The Phase Podcast. I'm Emily, and this is the final episode in our series on building resilience. We've talked so far about what resilience is and how we can build it, but especially as parents, or also as youth workers or friends, we want to think about how we can help those around us to build resilience as well. In this episode, we discuss how we can build a culture that promotes resilient mindset and models key strategies of resilience. So obviously two of you here, Kieran and Erica, um, you're both parents, um, but also all of us are in positions where we work with children and young people. Also, you know, we're around friends, we're around family, we're around people. And so we've talked about resilience, we've talked about what it might look like, how we build it. Um, but how do we model that to the people around us um, and help them to grow in it as well? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, being about, I've got two children, uh, Lily and Daniel. Lily is six, Daniel is four. And it is really tough because I've got two things going on at the same time in my head. One, I talk about this stuff every day and so I want, my, I want to help my children build that. But I also love them dearly and I want to protect them. And, and I realise that those two things don't always go together. Um, and so one of the things that I, you know, we talked earlier about uh, questioning and the yet and the fame, I, I try really hard, even with my, my little boy, Daniel was only four, um, I try really hard for him to sort of really engage those problem solving skills. You know, if he, if he wants something, uh, instead of me sort of running off to get it for him, it's simple as, okay, well, where, where do you think it is? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Well, have you looked? Okay, well, you go and look. And then if you can't find it, come back to daddy. And then we can go look, and it's you know some of those little bits, or even um, you know my, my daughter's faced you know challenges just she's grown up, you know relationships and friendships, you know it, that all starts as soon as they start to go to school. Um, yeah, it's a part of me that wants to protect her from that, but the other part is actually that's part of life. She's got to learn how to to communicate with others, with her peers. She's got to learn how to communicate with her her brother. She's got to learn how to communicate with her parents, mm-hmm. and so just sometimes instead of trying to remove the problem, actually helping her to explore and talk about it. Um, and a big thing, actually, I, I probably uh, uh, we really work on at home. It's just vocabulary. Actually, trying to give them the words to express and talk about this at age-appropriate levels. But that's something I think is really important because if if I can help them do that now, and also uh, like Claire and I as as parents, that helps us being able to talk about. It. And I mentioned some of the things you know, having lost my my mum and uh, and some health things. I've tried really hard to appropriately talk about that with my children so they learn some of those skills so they're seeing mummy and daddy do that as well as then asking them so I don't want them to be doing something I'm not doing yeah 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 and I I agree it's that sort of managed risk taking and like as parents you do want to kind of rush in and think that a little bit you know best you know how to fix it but actually you do need to try and empower your children Mm -hmm. especially with Jack he's nine helping him learn what he should do and we sometimes go let's problem solve yeah Mm -hmm. okay and we can come up with really daft examples Mm. which makes them laugh (laughs) (laughs) but then we sort of you know i leave it to them to come up with okay so what do you think you will do Mm. about this and give them that tool and and also the other thing with me is just me and and my kids is really trying to instill that sort of growth mindset that mistakes are sensible, they're normal. Mm. It's what you learn. It's your first attempt in learning. There is no such thing as failure. And be really careful 
about the language that I use around them. You know, something that doesn't shut things down, mm. but opens things up. Trying to use more open questions mm. with them. Mm. Um, and you're right about, Kieran, about the vocabulary as well. Trying to give them that. And, and explaining sometimes, you know, I don't always get it right. So trying to model that yeah. behaviour a little bit. Yeah. Is if I've had a bad day or if they see me crying, I sort of go, oh, I'm sorry, mummy's just really sad today. I had a bit of bad news or this is happening. Mm -hmm. So kind of explain to them, don't shut myself away emotionally from them. Yeah. Yeah. But bring them in yeah. and explain what's happening in my life and why I'm feeling happy today or why I'm... Yeah this way mm. and I think that that then just it, it gives them a more of a model that they can talk about mm. then with me yeah what I like about the problem solving letting your kids problems away I remember reading it somewhere is also it gives them it shows them oh I I can solve this myself you mm. trust me to solve this myself so I feel confident that I can and it's okay if I get it wrong but whereas if we always fix things for kids they have that almost helpless mm. feeling where yes. oh I I always have to look to somebody else to fix it because I don't feel confident that I can resolve this myself. Mm. And that carries on to adulthood, obviously. And sometimes it is so much easier to just jump right in. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things you know, I often reflect on is that, you know, we, we Google everything. And what that does, is it stops me having to remember because I'm just back and Google it. And so one of the things I try really hard, whether it's at home, at work, in school, wherever I am, is if somebody comes to me with a, a problem, I'll say, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. um, because actually I, I realise that in life we end up getting to this point of, like, I've got a problem, I just, I, somebody else has the answer. Mm -hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, I think pushing, again, I do it with my, my children, if I do it with a team when I'm in schools, you know, getting people to think, well, you know, what is your solution? Doesn't necessarily mean that your solution is right, but if you thought about it, that in a sense is part of that growth, it's that problem solving, it's that, okay, I have got, I've got some agency here to be able to do yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I can also take my, here's my two or three solutions, that's all I've been able to come up with. What do you think? That's great, because then you've got something to work with and say, okay, well, you know, how did you get to that? What does that look like? Let's think that through. Um, and it's one of the things that I try really hard to, to do, and even if I catch myself trying to get somebody else to give me the answer, is to stop and think about that mm -hmm. and think the children. Because that is... That's that skill that you won't always have somebody around you, so you've got to be able to at some point come up with at least some solutions. They might be terrible, mm. but at least you've got you've got something to do, mm -hmm. yeah. which yeah. that comfortably uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Erica, I know you shared that your experience earlier in the beginning of lockdown with your mum dying and a lot of that pressure, and I wondered how your kids showed resilience in that time or how you modelled that resilience to them. Okay, so. The first part of it was trying to fix myself mm. and then when we moved, we moved to Hitchin, um, certainly my son really lost his sense of identity and self. Uh, he'd changed school and, well, he hadn't even started school, he hadn't said goodbye to any of his friends. The future for the first time for him was a blur, he had no idea, he couldn't picture it. And so I think for me there was a number of things, you know, we, we did we had a worry monster which is like journaling writing mm. down externalizing what it was that was worrying him that was a good one um, he was very emotional his emotions were brewing at the top all the time and in school he'd been taught you step away from a situation the problem where there was he spent the majority of the time locked in toilets now we have four toilets in our house 
And so trying to even locate which toilet he was locked in was always a bit of a challenge. And so we had to give him that space to calm down. And I gave him grounding tools, which worked so effectively at just him trying to regain control over his emotions. And they were simplified, you know, like four colors, three things you can touch, two things you can hear, one thing you can smell. Just so that he had, and he said that that really helped him. And then I did, rather than focusing on his schoolwork, I ordered uh, the Big Life Journal offline, off, online even, and we went through that and we shared stories and inspirational stories and we talked about it and we did uh, colouring and mindfulness about, you know, what, you know, what's one big change that you can make, what's one thing you can do to make yourself feel better. Mm -hmm. So that sort of mixture of different things. And oh, that's the other thing. We also did what went well today at the end yeah. of the day as I was putting him to bed. What was your one thing that went well? What was your favourite thing today? Try and put him to bed in a sort of more positive mindset after all the worries. And the school, I also helped ask for help from the schools that he was about to go to and they were brilliant. They were so good and they kept checking in on him for the first sort of term mm -hmm. and he really appreciated that because mm, yeah. for him it was a big change and he's so happy now he's so well adjusted he's got a lovely set of school friends so it's actually a lot of those same things that you talked about the it's control the perspective yeah. the positivity but just yes. modeling but just those and scaled also doing down yeah. to his yeah. level in a way that he could yeah. understand it and i'd say it's made the world of difference yeah. having other families around you as well i think mm -hmm. having other parents in similar situations partly sometimes that's just to offload like oh man today's been tough yeah. mm -hmm. and other times it's you, you know you're um, within a family unit they often say that uh, logic is low emotion is high mm -hmm. so when you've got those friends around you that's where your your logic is higher and your emotion is less because mm -hmm. they're not as emotionally involved in that situation as you and that's another way of again you being resilient isn't always about having the right answer but it's knowing where do I have to look to, mm. who do I have to call upon, mm. so those problem solving yeah. skills, that connection. Um, so I think that's some of the, the key bit really. And, and being open, communicating, talking about it, um, that is probably the biggest thing. You know, the, I often say to, to parents, you know, talk off topic, so build conversation with your, your children now. You know, that's why again with Lily and Daniel, I do that a lot because I hope and pray that when they're, when they're teenagers, they still want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're learning a grunt, but at least you know be a grunt in my direction yeah. Yeah. Um, and i think that's that's a key part because that's about that yeah. consistency mm, yeah. and taking that step forward yeah. yeah hannah i don't know you're obviously not a parent but in modeling resilience how do you think you could do that or what are the challenges to that i think it means yeah it's about being authentic i mean partly you know in our role at phase we talk about building resilience you know we do the resilience workshops in year seven year eight by saying this is how you build resilience here's some kind of strategies and stuff and so i think actually it's important that we're we're living that out ourselves and can speak from a place of kind of putting those things in place so you know one of the things that we talk about is stepping outside of our comfort zone and actually it's when we do that that that's when we kind of can grow and yes it might feel scary but actually that's where we kind of can 
surprise ourselves. And I think, you know, even yesterday when we were doing the assemblies, you know, and spe speak to kind of 600, six or 700 people. And again, for me, that felt out of my comfort zone, but I'm like, but I tell, you know, I encourage, I teach on young people stepping out of their comfort zone. And so actually I need to be doing that myself. You know, we talk about self-care and, you know, getting good sleep, exercising, eating well, um, you know, managing the amount of time you're spending on social media, all of those things, actually, I need to kind of take a step back and think, okay, am I doing those things in my own life? Um, so that I can be speaking from a place of kind of actually, yeah, I'm living this stuff out mm -hmm. as well. And yes, it's not always easy. And yes, it takes practice. And no, sometimes, you know, I need to make sure that I am kind of doing more exercise or I am making sure that I'm getting good sleep. Um, but just being real with them, I think, yeah. as well, is really yeah. important. Mm -hmm. And it, it is about that vulnerability. It's like you said earlier, sometimes you see someone face the challenge and then you see how they come out and you don't always know the process. And so I think it's important to an appropriate level that we're, we're vulnerable with people and we yeah. share with them the things that are difficult about that, but like what I'm doing and talk, talk that through with people so that they can see, you know, that it's not just an overnight thing that mm. I did, but I've put these things in place yes. and it's not always been easy, but this has been the outcome. I think that's, it's quite a countercultural thing. Give, you know, we just touched on social media there. You know, the Instagram is often, you know, described as people's highlight reel. Um, but I think as it creeps into our normal everyday life, where we we don't allow people into our, we just give an exterior and we don't allow people into the interior. I know Brene Brown talks a lot about this, um, but vulnerability is so powerful because I think it's when we when we are vulnerable, it pulls people in, lets people know, yeah. wow, okay, I. I, I, I feel that too, right? I've been through that too. And, you know, again, Eric and I have talked about some of those, you know, life challenges of losing a parent. It's something that everyone's going to have at some point. And so it, it enables that open conversation. Mm -hmm. But it's the, because social media is, it's almost like the highlights reel. And it's also a dump of all the worst things that have ever happened to me, depending on how people <laughs> use it. And so when we talk about vulnerability, I mean, sometimes that's okay and needed, but I think it's also about the vulnerability of, this is the challenge, but these are the things that I'm going to do, rather than just, this has been hard, and this has been hard, and this has been hard, and this has been hard. That To me, that's not modelling resilience to people. It's about sharing those strategies as well. And, and that's vulnerable in itself. It's like, you know, I actually have had to do, I'm not just super strong and resilient yeah. all the time I've had to do these things mm -hmm. but sharing that with people and I think like vulnerability in the right context is actually just like a real it takes courage and it's a real strength and it's not it's not a weakness but actually it is that that strength to be able to let people in or to be able to kind of let people see that kind of interior part of you it's that reframing the British stiff upper lip, mm, isn't it? Yeah. Why is that a good thing? It's not actually. Mm. Just hiding what you're thinking and yeah. feeling. Much more, it takes more courage yeah. to admit and to ask for help. Mm. And I think that's, again, another parenting strategy mm. is I can't do this all for you, but I'm always here to help. Mm. I was just thinking... Um, because one of the things I am aware of thinking about vulnerability is that I don't always get parenting well. Mm -hmm. I don't always do it well. Um, on the good days, I help my children be resilient. On the bad days, when times of pressure of trying to get out in the morning, you know, any parent that's got small children will know that how how can they do everything really fast yet putting shoes on can take a lifetime. Um, you know, those moments actually, I realise that I, there's some of the pitfalls, some of the mistakes I make, 
actually that's where I'm not not patient or I, I solve it for them I'll put the shoes on I'll do this I'll carry everything to the car and that's that time pressure whereas you know I realize you know my good days actually I'm helping them I'm giving them a countdown and doing these other bits yeah. um, you know I realize there's a or, or if it's probably usually when I'm rushed that's yeah. when my pitfalls come yeah. the most yeah. and that's when I solve their problems and that's when I do their stuff because it's basically I'm feeling stressed and yeah. so your problem is giving me more problems and so I just want to I can get rid of your problems now I can focus on my own does that make sense is yeah that... oh totally but that's just life isn't it sometimes we're not always our best selves mm. and so we should be kind to ourselves mm, yeah. I think as long as we are overall picture is pretty good yeah. don't worry too much about the mistakes yeah. like not and sweating the small stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Small and stuff. Hannah well we've all talked about it about being authentic but I guess the challenge of parenting is like being authentic all the time because your kids are there all the time and they're watching all the time and like a lot of that stuff you talked about earlier the, the positive self-talk the way you react to yourself when you make a mistake that you know it's impossible to do that right all the time and get that right all the time so I imagine that's quite a challenge as a parent I'd say that um, as parents as well you need to look after yourself first you know it's like the aeroplane analogy put your own mask on first before you then put your children on and I think you have to do that because otherwise if you're not being resilient yourself if you're having issues or problems then your children automatically pick up on that so I quite often say to other parents and my friends you know what are how do you make sure that you can present your best self that I, you are being resilient and um, being able to sort of there are risk factors that happen, risk factors such as, you know, you don't get a good night's sleep, you're not looking after yourself, um, you might have health problems, those are the risk factors. But also, what are your protective factors? Mm. How, being able to call a really good friend, having good relationships around you, getting exercise, eating well, those are your protective factors. And, and the way I like to explain it or get people to think about it is a table. And you've got your four things, your four pillars, your four legs that are holding you up. What are those four most important things that keep you level? Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, they're sort of exercise. Mm -hmm. Getting lots of exercise really helps me keep, it helps my mood, it helps my energy levels. Like well-being, all of these things that we're talking <laughs> about today, making sure that I do them, keep on top of them. Um, I like to stretch myself in knowledge, so I like to read, I like to listen to podcasts, etc. But also my relationships and friendships and my family. So for me, these are my sort of four table legs that keep me level and stable so that I can then be my best self for the kids. But if one or other of them gets out of whack or I, I, I neglect them, my tabletop starts to wobble. And if I totally knock one away, that's it, the table's <laughs> on the floor. And so for me, I find that really useful because it reminds me then that I need to keep up my exercise because it's so much easier to just sit at home and mm. um, watch something on TV than it is to go out for a run. Mm. And it's that, it's that, I think, that helps the stability or gives you that stability mm. in order to help others. And then you're able to model it more authentically to your absolutely, children as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, does that make sense? No, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, I really like that analogy. I don't, I don't know if anyone else wants to share maybe what those four 
table legs would be for them. I'm just trying to think what mine might be. Um, I think for me, like definitely one of those um, has to be faith. Like I think faith um, as a Christian plays a massive part in my life. I think kind of knowing that God's constant, that even if stuff's changing around me, actually God's the same and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And actually I'm able to look back and see how God's been faithful in the past, how he's been with me in tough situations and hasn't left me, hasn't abandoned me. Um, and I think that that gives me <clears throat> that kind of trust to be able to, to look ahead and to go, okay, God, like you're with me in this. Um, and I think, yeah, just being able to, to read my Bible, to be able to pray, um, to be able to listen to, to worship music in that. But yeah, I think being reminded that God is constant, even if everything else around me um, is changing and being able to hold on to that hope that I have um, mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'd say that's one for me as well. I guess when we're talking about resilience, it's hard to... Faith, if you have a faith, has to be a part of that. But mm. for me as well, I know when I'm spending time with God and when I feel close to God, it, it roots me in my identity a lot more. I feel so much more secure about who I am. I'm not overthinking things. I'm not beating myself up over tiny things. I'm not putting that pressure on myself. I've got that like foundation of... I know who I am and I feel kind of stable in that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, echo, echo what all you guys say. I was just thinking of, uh, you know, um, my four table looks probably would be um, faith, family, friends, fitness. You know, they're key parts to me. But, you know, part of, I find um, definitely in the faith aspect is, is prayer. You know, it gives me a way of externalising, thinking about stuff. Um, sometimes I don't, you know, even I talked about sharing with people. Sometimes I need to try and understand that for myself, and that's just what I use a lot of yeah. prayer for. I, um, just you know, given that again, it's that control. Understand that I can't control these things, um, and sometimes that externalizing like is a useful part for me to then be able to take it and, and share it with some friends, share it with my family, um, or just be aware. You know, I think like you were saying there, Hannah, you know that that sense of hope, and I think that's a key part of resilience. You know, whether you've got a faith or not, you know, having some hope, and maybe that hope is that actually I, it will get better, even if today, you know, it's darkest before the dawn. Um, actually, I think hope, however you have it, for me, it's in in Christianity, but having hope is a real big aspect to to resilience. Amazing. Thank you so much for all that you guys have shared. And um, it's been such an interesting conversation. I wondered just to wrap up and to finish, if you could share one thing that you've found interesting or that you're going to take away with you and think about a little bit more or put into action out of all the things that we have talked about. Yeah, for me, I think it's the sense of that resilience. It, it's, it's a daily journey. And maybe today I feel quite resilient. Tomorrow I might not, but it's about understand that taking those proactive steps forward um, with those around me. And I, I agree with that. I think it's something that you do need to work on. It can be learned, it can be built. Um, there was a really lovely quote that I came across actually when I was thinking about today um, from Matt Haig. Uh, the bottom of the valley is never the best, provides the clearest view. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when you're in that dip, it's hard to see your way back out again, but once you get to the top, that's it. You can see and everything seems to make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I think a reminder that actually resilience is just that continual journey. It's something we're mm -hmm. continually building, we're continually learning. 
growing um, through all our different experiences that we have and to not think we have to do it alone but to allow others in on that journey as well. Yeah, I like that. I think for me it's just that it's kind of reassuring to hear everybody agree that we think we can be resilient in some situations and not in others because sometimes, especially, you know, working with young people and talking about resilience and then you have a situation where you feel like you're not very resilient and I'm like, oh no, I'm actually not very resilient but recognising that just because it might be lower in one area doesn't mean that I don't have those skills in other areas and I can't grow in it and learn in it, like you've all said. Well, thank you so much. That's been such an interesting um, chance for conversation. I feel like I've got loads to take away and think about. So thank you all very much for your time. Thanks, Emily. Thank you.